Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. It's World Wide Wave time. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. Taking around the globe, one queer story at a time. I'm Matt. We're here in the Victorian Pride Centre. And, uh, Andrew, welcome to the studio. Oh, thank you very much. I've put, taken off my news hat and put on my worldwide wave hat. Um, whilst LGBT Pride happens 365 days a year, there's a big focus in June in the Northern Hemisphere countries. Pride began as a movement with a protest, the famed Stonewall riots in New York City, in response to police intimidation of the community. Back then, Pride had a very clear purpose. It was a protest. But amidst all the parties and parades of today, has Pride lost its purpose? International LGBT advocacy organisation Outright Action International hosted a forum in Pride Month about Pride around the world. Joining Neela Goshal, their Senior Director of Law and Policy, uh, you'll hear tonight from Juma Wasali from Nayasa Rainbow Alliance in Malawi, Alexis DeMarco, the Executive Director of the United Caribbean Trans Network, and Victoria Kobliskinova from Vilnius Queer Festival in Lithuania. Here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. The fact that the Caribbean region has been doing Pride and other countries have been doing Prides in the region for about five years now, I think the visibility and the connections made are the most important and valuable things that people understand and that they realise that there is hope. There is still some hope for them. Despite COVID-19, there were Pride celebrations in 107 countries last year, according to a new report from global LGBT advocacy organisation Outright Action International. The report, titled Visible Pride Around the World in 2021, sought to identify the multiple purposes of Pride and its progress. Uh, with input from activists and case studies from Georgia to Rwanda, it shows that Pride is very different in various countries. One of those countries, the East African country of Malawi, celebrated its first out and loud Pride Parade in 2021. Juma Wasili from Nyasa Rainbow Alliance was one of the organisers. Juma explains how the event came about. So in uh, 2021, we held our first Pride in Malawi. Of course, the first one was uh, in 20, in the year previous, which we, we, we just did indoors. 
because uh, I, we thought that the, the political situation and the casual situation at the moment wasn't ready for Malawi for pride. So we did our first one, which was outdoors. This one we just did in our office, but then we just invited a few members of the community. But then the 2021 one we did like uh, in outdoors. We did in uh, the capital, which, which is in Lilongwe. Yeah, we did this first pride. Uh, we are glad that is in the books that this was the first pride parade in Malawi. Yeah, we did it, and uh, we were specifically raising the issues that were recommendations that were made to the Malawi government during the third cycle universal periodic review in Geneva of which the government did not adopt some of the recommendations, specifically on uh, supporting the minority rights, including promoting the rights of LGBTQ people. These were some of the issues which we raised in a petition which we presented to the Malawi government. We presented our issues. Unfortunately, there was no feedback from them. Yeah, but then, yeah, for us, it was important that we increased our visibility, people around Malawi, so that we exist, we are not going anywhere. Uh, we are not just aliens, as most people think, that, ah, no, we have never seen LGBTI people, where are they? They're just making noise inside their cocoon. So this was our first time, the visibility was achieved. We also invited different stakeholders, at least we knew now who is with us in the struggle. I mean, it's important for us to have allies, um, including international or national organizations. It was surprising for us to see a lot of people flocking the streets, uh, being on our side, making our voices heard, make sure our voice is amplified. We couldn't believe it that we did it. Because, you know, Malawi has one of the discriminatory and the repressive laws on uh, same-sex relations. So this was indeed a milestone for us. Jumada, it's really incredible that you were able to do this. I mean, I you know I do want to note that Malawi has criminal provisions that that criminalize same-sex conduct, and it's a country where these are not only on the books; they are occasionally enforced. And I believe that someone was sentenced to eight years in prison last year on charges of of consensual same-sex conduct. And so I'm wondering, did you and 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 the other organizers? feel any sense of, of danger going out into the streets and protesting? Was this uh, was there a risk that there would be severe backlash uh, by the government? And, and was there anything of that kind? Um, yeah, that's very true. As you have said, Malawi has one of the notorious laws on, on regarding to homosexuality in Africa. But then we think, if not us, then who? And of course, they won't arrest us all. I mean, they, they won't kill the movement, they won't kill the idea, they won't kill our vision. So we stood up for rights, we protested. Of course, at the end, there were some uh, threats and uh, physical assaults which were made to some of the participants, including uh, some of our key organizers, of which so it's something we knew, but then we tried to seek uh, like assistance from other emergency donors. Yeah, they helped us, but not all of them were helped. Yeah, you know, activists had suffered psychological trauma during this process because soon after the Pride, most activists, because, I mean, they were now visible in the social media everywhere. Their faces were just everywhere. And then just started from nowhere uh, receiving threats via social media, via phone calls. Some were even visited in their houses. Some had their houses vandalized just because they went to the streets protesting for their rights demanding their rights, demanding protection from the government. I mean, Juma, this is incredibly courageous. It's tremendous that uh, 
you and your your colleagues and people in the movement have the courage to go out in the streets. Um, what are the plans for the future? Given the kind of trauma that people experience, will there be a public pride again or will there be a different approach next time around? Is there anything you can tell us now? There was one just two weeks ago. We again went to Lilongwe. We joined the rest of the world in commemorating the month of pride. So we, we organized, we did this through the Diversity Forum, which is a consortium of LGBTQ organizations in Malawi. And uh, there are like five or six organizations into the consortium. So we went again to the streets. We marched. We raised all the issues we are facing. We need protection from the state. We don't, don't discriminate. Only. We, I mean, we really want to access health services just as everybody in the general population. Of course, it was also with a specific uh, concern on the recent uh, arrest of a transgender a person in Mangochi, that's the southern part of Malawi, who was arrested for simply being a transgender. And he, of course, he was involved, he was caught involved in the same sex uh, conduct. That was in December 2021. He was uh, arrested and then convicted and sent to prison for eight years in prison with hard labor. Imagine. So this was also another concern which we raised through a petition which we delivered to the parliament of Malawi. That's Juma Wasili from Nyasa Rainbow Alliance in Malawi with us on Joy 94.9. Amazing resilience that despite the laws that are against them, despite these attacks from their visibility, they are still so committed to making this happen. Uh, That that line, they can't arrest us all. Yeah, the bravery is just amazing. And I have so much respect for them when you could be arrested bashed or, as he said, put in prison. I mean, they're pretty strong deterrents to making yourself visible, aren't they? It, it sort of says that uh, they're sending a message that they're not going to go away. So um, uh, the, the government there needs to deal with this in a different way. Uh, well, than, let's uh, hope the, the government attack. listens. Indeed. Mm. Coming up, we hear how trans people are leading visibility in the Caribbean. This is Worldwide Wave. Joy, out, loud, proud. Hi everyone, this is Imani da Silva, a transgender activist from Angola on the World Wide Wave. We're talking about pride, pride around the world. Mm. Um, do you have a pride story? Do you have a favourite pride? Well, I, my favourite pride is the first pride that I marched in, yeah. which is decades ago now, and that was, of course, down Fitzroy Street. I was living in Ackland Street in St Kilda at the you time. You didn't have so to march far. I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> it was super easy, yeah, but it was um, it was great. And it was uh, got my heart going, my heart rate going, that's for sure, because yep. it was um, a long time ago, and my first one, so... I think your first is always special. Marty yeah. Graham in Sydney was my first, but um, I've done some quite different ones in the Netherlands, which is Canal Pride, so oh. the, the Pride is on boats down the canal. That's a real Gee. buzz. Yeah. But then the opposite end, Hong Kong, which is a street march, and oh. it's such an orderly street march. They stop the march at traffic lights and let traffic through, then they start <laughs> the march. So the march is in, like, 15 different parts, but it goes for kilometres. Lots of people turned out. Well, how, how sorry, this was, this was pre the current... I was just about to say, yeah, you wouldn't be doing it these days, I wouldn't think. No, no. Now, Northern Hemisphere Pride Month has just come to an end and your your social media has probably been flooded with your pride flags and street parades and dance parties and LGBT communities celebrating. But pride is very different depending on where in the world you are. It's sometimes a protest, sometimes a chance for visibility and sometimes a call for help. 
For the Bahamas, it's all about rebirth. To increase LGBT visibility, they used an online platform to share their experiences in a safe space. Alexis DeMarco is the Executive Director of the United Caribbean Trans Network. Alexis explains why they felt the need to reinvigorate their Pride event in the Bahamas. So in the Bahamas, we started Pride probably back in 2018. Um, a group started Pride, the Rainbow Alliance, and they disbanded their group. So they were, not one, they were unable to continue their Pride. So after that, other activists came on starting to reinvent Pride, but they got threats and they were afraid to go through for the protection of persons and citizens. So they disbanded. So they didn't end up having their Pride. What happened was in 2020, we rebranded with um, Pride Bahamas 2020 here in the country where we allowed persons to be able to express themselves. And we said, this time we're not backing out. So for us, the rebirth, it's called the rebirth, the rebirth of Pride Bahamas happened and we were able to create our movement through an online platform where persons were able to share their experiences and share the struggles that they have living within the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. So for us, it was called the Rebirth of Pride, and we're here going strong now. And Alexis, can you tell us a little bit about, obviously you did Pride online because of the conditions of lockdown or COVID restrictions in the Bahamas at the time. What did you see as the advantages and disadvantages of doing Pride events online? I think one of the advantages was it created a safe space for persons who was who was not ready to come out visibly. <laughs> not ready to show their visibility in the streets or at public events or in public spheres. So I think the online space created for them was very great for them to be able to be themselves and to be in a safe environment. That's one of the advantages. And we actually got some data to show that LGBTI citizens do exist. So that was one advantage for us. So this advantage for us really was not having that face-to-face connection, not having activities, not being able to show our solidarity through a march or through events. So that's the only downside of it. But the online was the best part of it because it created a safe space for many persons. Yeah, thank you. It's an interesting uh, It's an interesting concept that sometimes a movement is ready to be visible, but individuals in the movement might not be ready to be visible. And I think in the past we haven't found very many ways for movements to be visible while individuals still protect themselves. And that's an important stage for a lot of movements to go through. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of pride being trans-led? in the Bahamas. You're obviously the executive of the trans organization, and you made sure that trans people were visible and at the forefront of pride. Tell us about that. Well, for us, visibility was very important because if you would know, the existence of our movement happened during the time of the referendum, where they wanted to um, enshrine constitutions banning um, at birth, defining that male and females are at birth. So for us, we birthed it out of a time when it was very critical for women's rights in the Bahamas on the referendum for women to pass on their citizenships to children. So for us as trans, as trans women and trans people living in the society, our visibility is very important. And through Pride, we use that platform to show that we are able to bring people together who are allies, who are not just a part of the LGBTI community, but who support trans communities, such as the Red Cross, such as the Ministries of Health, such as the Ministry of Justice and Family Affairs. So we use this opportunity as trans people to become visible and to show forth the importance of our existence within the Caribbean region. We also know that UC Trans speaks up for the English-speaking Caribbean region, 
and the Bahamas being the secretary for it, we felt the need that trans people needed the opportunity to be able to show their visibility and bring the community together through Pride events. And that's the way we were able to create allies. We were able to connect with government. We were able to connect with persons to have our plight as trans citizens brought to the forefront, including those a part of the LGB community. Alexis, do you think there will be a public pride march in the Bahamas? And do you see changes in the views of the Bahamian people? We are actually now in talks and planning for next year with the support from the Bahamas government and also the U.S. Embassy, who is planning the official next year pride march to be visible, but with our alliance with trade unionists, persons who are a part of the labor union, to show our solidarity as persons who work within the tourism section. So that's our strategy. And yes, that's where we're headed. What more should those of us in countries with more LGBTI plus freedoms do to support and shine a light on the plight of those countries that don't? In the Caribbean, the Bahamas was the first to decriminalize um, same-sex, consensual sex. So we are the first in the region to decriminalize. However, the attitudes haven't changed as it relates to LGBTI people. Now it's changing because there's a sense of visibility. There's a sense of awareness. There's a sense of people identifying and coming out and saying, this is who I am. So what I would think people would do, would encourage um, to encourage the allyship is to monitor countries that you see that's trying and that's struggling to make sure that their visibility stays afloat and that they're not cast into the shadows. So I think that's one thing. And also by providing resources, providing technical support, providing information on how do we make our country better? Having the small conversations, I think, bridging the gaps, that's what we do. So like in our prides, we use sensitization sessions to decision makers and gatekeepers and allies to show them the struggles that we go through as a country and as a community. And what it does, it's an intersectional advocacy because we have those persons apart who are disabled, those parts, persons who um, are a part of the SDG goals, leaving no one behind. We try to include all of these things as relates to our pride. So I think having the conversation with persons from other countries and saying to them, this is how it works, this is how it should work, like leaving no one behind in your discussions and becoming an ally to those countries that are left behind. The fact that the Caribbean region um, has been doing prides and other countries have been doing prides in the region for about five years now, I think the visibility and the connections made are the most important and valuable things that people understand and that they realize that there is hope. There is still some hope for them. Everything might not be perfect in the Caribbean region, but the fact that we take the stand to show that these citizens exist and we protect the human rights of these citizens through our priority events, having sensitization sessions with police officers, attorney generals, ministries of health, it's a stepping stone in the right direction to change the directory of how we view our citizens, LGBTI citizens within the country. So for us, pride is very important, it's a purpose, and we will continue it. From the Bahamas, that's Alexis DeMarco, the Executive Director of the United Caribbean Trans Network, with us on Joy 94.9. Again, you feel that uh, that passion, that fire that um, we're not Mm. backing out. Mm. Um, But interesting that they've pivoted. They've uh, had to pivot because of COVID to go online. Um, But it's actually given them some benefits. It's it's a positive. Mm. Mm. Which is surprising, but um, gratifying.
Exactly. And I love the fact that they said they were able to get some numbers out of this. So, for again, all those people that say, oh, I don't know any, any gay people, I don't know, um, you know, they don't exist... Well, actually, Liars. here's some hard, here mm-hmm. some hard data. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the other thing that was interesting there, uh, trade unions. Yes, yes. And a very early example of trade unions, well, gay organisations, uh, LGBTQI organisations pairing with unions was um, in the UK in the 1980s during the, the miners' the minor strike, strike yes. yeah, that Maggie Thatcher tried to quash. Um, and they made a film about that called, unsurprisingly, Pride. Pride. It's my husband's favourite. Favorite film. I don't know how many times yeah. he's watched it. It's a good film, and and, and even here in Australia, the trade union movement was instrumental in um, uh, progressing a lot of anti-discrimination laws and pushing for it here. So mm, good on uh, them. Interesting to see that happening around the globe. Coming up on Joy ninety four point nine, we hear how Pride is strengthening uh, in Europe in the shadow of the Ukraine war. This is Worldwide Wave. Joy.org.au. Diversity has a new home. Warren Jacker, Joy 94.9 would like to acknowledge and pay respect to the sovereign peoples of the past, present and future generations of the Kulin Nations on whose unceded land we work, live and broadcast from. We would also like to acknowledge all our brother boys and sister girls of the LGBTI communities. This is Georgi Tabagari from Tbilisi Pride on Worldwide Wave, Joy 94.9. You're on the show that takes you around the globe, one queer story at a time, Worldwide Wave. Special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. Apparently we're very popular on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcasts automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash worldwide wave or on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave us a review. We've had a message in. Thanks, Tim from Abbotsford. Uh, in the 1980s, I was in San Francisco for Pride. It seemed huge. It was so vibrant and empowering. Uh, Tim joined a group and marched the whole route. All LGBTI people should march in at least one Pride march. I agree. Absolutely. Very yeah. empowering. Yeah. Very empowering. Yeah. Uh, now, before we move back to the show, just wanted to uh, make mention uh, of some sad news here at Joy. Uh, one of Joy's uh, absolute legends uh, passed just uh, in the last day or so. Tim Lennox, who was our... News director, he was a part of Joy from back in uh, about 1995. Boy. Uh, and he was Joy's news and current affairs director for a long time. Great supporter of our show. Um, if you're a long-time listener, you would hear, you would have heard his voice doing the news right throughout the time. Um, very sad uh, loss. And, um, you know, we, we, we thank him. We remember him for all his efforts here at Joy. And we send our best wishes to family and friends. From coming out to reaching out, fighting for change or battling to be heard. These are the stories of the diverse rainbow community from across the globe. Coming to you from Australia's LGBTIQ radio station, Joy. In Lithuania, Baltic Pride has been in the capital Vilnius since 2010. Uh, despite initial objections and obstructions from the government, the parade has continued to grow. So now it attracts more than 10,000 participants. In the shadows of Russia's push to expand its power in the region, this year's event had an even more powerful message. It was a march for equality and peace. 
But major cities are often a much safer place for the LGBTQI community to live. Pride in smaller towns can be a much greater challenge. Uh, Victoria Kolbesnikova from Vilnius Queer Festival explains why they felt it was important to take pride beyond the capital. In Lithuania, first Pride was held in 2010. It was uh, part of Baltic Pride. Uh, and since since Kona's Pride, uh, we had Pride every three years, uh, meaning that uh, Pride was happening in different Baltic countries, in, in Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Uh, and they were changing uh, each year. We wanted to have pride outside of the capital city because uh, it is important to point out that you also mentioned that uh, LGBT people exist everywhere and they face dif- uh, different uh, difficulties uh, and the center is not uh, necessarily represents uh, all uh, situation in the country. And uh, also in Lithuania, the Baltic Pride became very uh, corporatized and commercial and we wanted to have an opposition uh, because for us it's important to emphasize that LGBT people are not only part of elites but also uh, people uh, are coming from different backgrounds, uh, from working class backgrounds and we wanted to show and to support the idea that there is no division between educated uh, Uh, capital people and uh, people in other parts of of the country. Fantastic. And I believe you also had some specific political and policy demands for the Lithuanian government. Can you talk a little bit about what those demands are? It's a different context from Malawi in which LGBTQ identities are criminalized. But what's the context in Lithuania that you want to change? Yes, in Lithuania, homosexuality was decriminalized in 1993. But since then, we we don't have Uh, progress. So like uh, 10 years, uh, basically nothing changed, only like small changes. We had our demands uh, listed uh, as a manifesto that we read out loud uh, with the whole crowd and uh, our team uh, made uh, these demands according to their needs. So like trans people raised their issues, lesbians they raised their issues and and so on. So we had uh, 14 demands And we had 14 to show that we have bigger needs than only marriage equality. Uh, So like like access to marriage, partnership and adoption, despite the gender of partners, social security for all without discrimination, according to family status, demand to change child protection law where information about LGBTI is censored, demand to change gender and legal documents without court's decision, Demand to learn about LGBT culture and history in educational system. Demand for sex education that is rooted in science and human rights. Psychological support from all practitioners, not only LGBT plus friendly ones. Demand for dignified sex and gender change. Demand to ban conversion therapy. Demand to adopt laws that ban hate speech. Hate speech is not freedom of speech. Demand to teach police officers how to react to hate speech and harassment towards LGBT plus and demand to properly investigate crimes of violence. How can the EU hold member countries to account for persecution of LGBT people in countries like Lithuania, Latvia, Hungary and Poland? 
Yes, I think that the European Human Rights Court is doing uh, its job uh, in this case, and we have uh, cases uh, that like their people have won against uh, Lithuania for discrimination, and uh, but Lithuania refuses to have laws uh, and instead is paying money for for people. So. In this case, like, yes, EU can push, but I also believe that change uh, must come from within countries. And maybe you can support activists, but uh, we have to fight in our own countries um, because otherwise uh, this foreign uh, support is not uh, acknowledged and uh, perceived as a foreign threat. Uh, so I guess we need to strengthen our communities in our countries to, to fight instead of uh, asking foreign support. That was Victoria Kolbesnikova from Vilnius Queer Festival in Lithuania on Joy 94.9. Victoria was speaking as part of a Pride Forum hosted by global LGBTQI advocacy organisation Outright Action International. And it's interesting how even uh, with these very diverse uh, Pride events around the world, there's these common threads, this common uh, determination, but also that visibility outside the city um, you know, here in Victoria, we have things like um, the MQFF, the Queer Film Festival, goes on a roadshow to country towns to give some visibility. Um, I did a, a stint in a country town in New South Wales for a couple of years, and visibility was really hard. Um, it's a town of Wagga Wagga, but now they have their own little Mardi Gras parade down the street. Right. So these sorts of things are really powerful and uh as we sort of mentioned before, stop people from saying, oh, I don't know anybody who's gay. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, at least they can see people who are gay even if they don't know them or can't speak to them. And it's interesting about um, the corporatisation of Pride. I think corporations yes. showing their support is great. I mean, they're not doing it for altruistic reasons, that's for sure, but at least they're doing it. And personally, it's, I'll take support in any form it comes. It's certainly a debate, though. There's a lot of people who don't, like, who want to take Pride back to its roots, which is about protest, which is about rights which is about demanding uh change um and it is a fine line because i, I know i remember um mardi gras went through a period where they probably went too far in the corporate they would uh, took the money mm. um and then they sort of and people really got upset about it so i think it is a for any pride organizer it's a fine line uh to walk yeah. um to to manage because if you are an employee of those corporate entities you want to be able to march as well so you might yeah. want to march with your you know your your bank your, your bank. group whatever mm. Yeah. Mm. fair enough very very interesting insights from around the world receive lgbt news from around the world throughout the week like worldwide wave on facebook now Hi, my name is Hope Matumbo from the Multicultural Health and Support Service and you're listening to the World Wide Wave. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. A huge thank you to Neela Goshal from Outright Action International who facilitated the discussion we've heard tonight about three very different Pride events in Malawi in Africa, Lithuania in Eastern Europe and the Bahamas in the Caribbean. Outright Action International launched a report as a part of this. It's called Pride Around the World. 
You can see it on their website, outrightinternational.org, or we posted it on our Facebook page. And we also have to thank people who have sent us messages on Facebook, Lana, Jennifer, Elias, Liz, and a heap more, who've joined or interacted with us this past week. That's W3Joy on Facebook. And that message in the studio from Tim from Abbotsford. Lovely lovely to hear from you, Tim. Um, We've got a great behind-the-scenes team, our podcaster, uh, Peter, and our social media master, Dean. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next week on World Wide Wave. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.